0: Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Did you know that later on this week, it is my birthday and I am turning 40 years old. And let me tell you, I am doing so much better than I was a decade ago. Almost 10 years ago, I woke up unable to lift my head up off the pillow because I was so exhausted, and I remember how scared and hopeless I felt that morning around 7 a.m. My mind was racing while I was stuck in bed, unable to muster the energy to get up and function. I remember one of the first thoughts that I had that day was, how am I going to be able to take care of my patients if I can't even take care of myself? It felt like such a lonely place to be and surprisingly no one really understood what was wrong with me. Not sure if you can relate to that, the endless dismissal until you begin to believe it's all in your own head. Over time I was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue. But here's the deal, chronic fatigue is not actually caused by our adrenals. Our adrenal glands, these little glands that sit on top of our kidneys, are simply messengers. And the problem actually starts in the limbic brain, also known as the survival brain. If you've ever struggled with chronic fatigue or exhaustion, especially in the morning, today's topic just might change your life. I am taking a deep dive into the adrenal fatigue myth, and I promise not to leave you hanging. I'm gonna explain what it is, what's really going on, and how you can heal from burnout on exhaustion, like I have done not just once, but a couple of times over the last decade. Because yes, I have been chronically depleted more than once in my life, and I have a feeling that you have too. Now it's no surprise this is a big topic in my newest book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution. I devote an entire chapter, actually two, to understanding the root causes of fatigue and chronic stress. And that's because, as Maya Angelou once said, when we know better, we do better. But before we get into the adrenal fatigue myth, I want to set you up for success because fatigue is no joke. I created an epic cheat sheet on my top 10 energy boosting remedies with recipes. And what I love best about this cheat sheet is the instant wins that you are going to experience. So get ready for instant energy at your fingertips. All you got to do to grab the cheat sheet is go to the show notes for episode 122 and you are all set. All right, now that I hooked you up, let's celebrate you. I just want to take a moment and celebrate your wins because sharing your victories is my favorite part of this show. One particular health rock star is Vivian Crespo. I'm excited to shout out her win that she shared on Facebook just a couple days ago. Here's what Vivian had to say. There are too many episodes to count that have changed my health outlook, and there have been some interviews where I was even surprised by what I heard. Why didn't I know that my menstrual cycle was such a key indicator of my health? Why didn't anyone ever ask me what was causing my anxiety? Maybe my gut was playing a role. Dr. Marisa, you have helped me to ask the right questions about my body. And for that, I am grateful. Well, Vivian, thank you so much for celebrating and sharing your win And I am so happy that you are getting the answers that you deserve. Now, if you are listening, I would love to gift you a signed copy of my book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution. I have a feeling you are going to find so many more solutions in there and answers. Just reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Marisa. Now, if you are listening today... You got to know that this podcast is all about empowerment. And if it has helped you in any way or form, I would love to shout you out as well. You can always reach out to me on social media or you can review this podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you plug into. Now, when you review the podcast, you really open the door not only for more awesome topics, because I know what you're looking for, but also you open the door for someone who may not have the answers or don't know where to look, and they get plugged into these podcast episodes and begin to learn how to be empowered and how to become the CEO of their health. Well, let's jump in to this topic, because I am so excited to break down the adrenal fatigue myth. Now, let me first start by saying that I believe and know in my heart of hearts that the symptoms related to adrenal fatigue are real. Your symptoms are real, and I believe that you are struggling. But without knowing what's really going on, we can't actually focus to the appropriate area of concern in the body. If your adrenals are incorrectly getting blamed, then they are fu- unfortunately being misdiagnosed and could be potentially treated in some cases, which could lead to bigger issues. I always say, don't shoot the messenger. And that's exactly what we're doing in this instance, by blaming the adrenals for chronic fatigue issues. Listen, adrenal fatigue has become a very popular diagnosis amongst patients and practitioners. It's really used to describe a wide range of symptoms, from chronic fatigue and insomnia to brain fog, weight gain, cravings, hormone issues, and so much more. If you search adrenal fatigue online, you'll find hundreds of articles listing symptoms that your adrenals actually have nothing to do with. But the question is, does adrenal fatigue really exist? Is it an actual representation of stress-related inflammation in the body that leads to the real symptoms that you're experiencing? And that's exactly what we're going to be exploring today. Now the second question that's super important to be asking is, can your adrenals actually burn out? And the answer is yes. In very rare circumstances, your adrenals can get damaged. The medical term is adrenal insufficiency, and it is very serious. Real adrenal insufficiency describes adrenal glands that are sick and unable to function properly. Adrenal insufficiency is caused by Addison's disease or a pituitary disorder. Now, with Addison's disease, which is an autoimmune condition, the immune system targets the outer portion of the adrenal glands called the cortex, where cortisol and aldosterone are being made. Symptoms of this life-threatening dysfunction include extreme exhaustion, lack of appetite leading to weight loss, diarrhea, nausea, and low blood pressure. Patients with adrenal insufficiency often feel like they're wearing a metal jacket on. Now, if you have suspicions of adrenal insufficiency, it's important to work with a functional endocrinologist and get your adrenals tested immediately. Now that we have defined what adrenal insufficiency is, let's go back to understanding what adrenal fatigue is. In order to really understand what adrenal fatigue actually is or what's really going on, I'm going to have to dig into the science to explain it. But I know that that is not an issue for you. Now, I did some deep dive research into what adrenal fatigue actually is and what I've learned might surprise you. Everything first starts with our stress response system because this is the response that is driving everything. It's no surprise that it's one of the most important responses in the body because it regulates our number one mode of operation, which is survival. Our stress response system consists of two primary components. There is the sympathoadrenal medullary system, the SAS system, that primarily governs our immediate or acute response to stress. This would be the system that kicks in if you're in a car accident, or there's a stranger chasing you, or a bear is chasing you, and you need to quickly run or fight. And then there's the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis system, also known as the HPA axis, which governs our intermediate or long-term stress response, which I've talked a lot about here on the podcast. Now, these systems are in place to protect us in the short term from acute stress and in the long term for long-term chronic stress. As you can imagine, living in a survival mode state is an exhausting process for the body and it quickly depletes our reserves and nutrients. Basically, we burn through nutrients and energy when we are in sympathetic dominance, also known as fight or flight. But what if the very system that helps us to survive the short-term survival-driven threats is constantly activated over and over again, as it often is for many of us today? Well, as you've experienced yourself on a weekly basis, our modern life sets the stage for more frequent episodes of stress, from social media to constant to-do lists to a tight schedule and environmental pollutants, just to name a few. I have a feeling that at some point in your day-to-day, you have felt a little bit rushed, triggered, or stressed. Now, a chronic activated stress response created by our modern life is constantly activating and shooting off what we call the HPA axis, also known as the long-term stress response. Now, it's no surprise that the frequent activation of this stress response can make us sick, considering the following from the Journal of Hormones in 2009. Chronic stress can lead to an overacting co-elevation of cortisol and insulin and suppression of certain anabolic hormones. This state of metabolic stress in turn promotes abdominal visceral fat, both the direct stress response and the accumulation of visceral fat can promote a of systemic inflammation and oxidative stress. The constant activation of the long-term stress response erodes resilience and depletes metabolic reserve because it takes a lot of energy to always be in the survival state. Now, it's important to define what resilience is. Resilience is defined as the immediate capacity of our body to respond to stress, And metabolic reserve is basically the long-term capacity of our body to withstand stress. But what happens if we're under stress all the time? Initially, resilience will drop. What we know when we look at the research is that there is a huge number of conditions that are associated with a loss of resilience and the depletion of metabolic reserve. And it is true that when we are being driven by all these modern-day stressors, That when the resilience and our metabolic reserve deplete, that we can actually drive an epidemic of modern diseases. So I'm just going to name a few things that are a result, a symptom, what you could be experiencing when you co-elevate the HPA axis system and deplete your reserves and your metabolic capacity. Here they are. Fatigue, insomnia, irritability, anxiety, and depression, sugar, carbs, fat, caffeine, and salt cravings, tiredness around 4 in the afternoon, weight gain, especially around the midsection, getting sick more often throughout the year, hormonal problems, brain fog, forgetfulness, digestive issues, and autoimmune symptoms. These are many of the symptoms that describe adrenal fatigue, and what we know now is that they're actually HPA dysfunction. I hope you're able to distinguish the distinction. We just accidentally labeled it adrenal fatigue. So what I want to do now is I want to explain, well, where did the adrenal fatigue myth actually come from? Well, here is where it came from. It actually started in like the 1940s, 1950s, when we were really finally figuring out what hormones were. Initially, the confusion came from when a couple of researchers were initially studying the release of stress hormones by the adrenals and found more questions than answers, as you can imagine in preliminary research. They noticed that when you are first exposed to stress, they saw the stress hormones go up in our blood and and saliva, like cortisol and DHEA. And then over time, those hormones began to decline as stress continued to be chronic or longer lasting. So it was initially hypothesized that the problem must be the adrenal glands because they're the ones that are producing cortisol. Basically, the adrenal glands over time lost the ability to continue to produce cortisol, or so we thought. In a nutshell, it was originally believed that the adrenal glands became fatigued because of the exposure of chronic stress, they became less and less able to produce cortisol. However, today we know that this theory is completely incorrect. And Dr. Carrie Jones and I actually break this down in episode 120 last week when we talked about the cortisol pathway and hormonal testing. So, And it's totally worth to go listen to that episode if you have not listened to episode 120. We talk about the cortisol awakening response. We talk about all the different cortisol pathways. It is quite fascinating. Well, let me go back. Adrenal fatigue is often diagnosed by using saliva cortisol testing. And cortisol that's measured in saliva is actually the unbound or free form, kind of like free T3 and free T4 for the thyroid hormone. These are unbound, unused thyroid hormone. Now, although this is the most potent form of cortisol available, it only represents about two to three percent of the total cortisol in the body at any given time. And the rest of the cortisol is cleared by several different mi- metabolic pathways before it's excreted in the urine. And Dr. Carrie Jones and I talk about this in episode 120. Now, it's really important to know what's going on with these pathways to fully understand the full picture of what's happening with cortisol in the body. And that's why I love the Dutch test, because we actually get to look at all the pathways and see where cortisol may be blocked or may be being shunted inside of the system, especially within the HPA axis, that long-term stress activation response. Now, when studies have looked at total cortisol levels in addition to free cortisol levels, they have found that when people have low free cortisol, they don't necessarily have low total cortisol. In fact, it's more common when people have low free cortisol for them to have either normal or even higher total cortisol. So basically what we know now is that adrenal fatigue or adrenal function isn't actually impaired at all. It's that our body and brain are regulating the cortisol response system based on how much stress we're dealing with. So a lot of this is actually happening because of negative feedback mechanisms that are trying to determine how much cortisol that we need in the body. And these same negative feedback mechanisms are also helping to manage other hormone systems as well, because a lot of hormones are involved, not just cortisol, in our stress response system, including insulin and thyroid hormones. Now remember, This actually has nothing to do with the adrenal's ability to actually produce cortisol. The adrenals are just receiving messages from the brain and they're acting accordingly. But the brain is also sending messages to other cells and other places and other pathways and they're regulating these hormones. So the regulator of free cortisol is actually the brain, it's the HPA axis. When we downregulate that HPA axis, it's actually due to protecting our cells from the effects of high-level stress and the high-level stress messengers that our body is sending out to the cells in the body. Essentially, the brain decreases sensitivity of some of these receptors that are involved in this pathway in order to prevent any harm from coming to us from high levels of cortisol or chronic stress hormones inside of the body. But unfortunately, that ends up creating a shortage of cortisol being released from the adrenals, especially in the morning when the biggest surge of cortisol is released during the cortisol awakening response. Actually, 50% of our cortisol every single day happens at that first 30 minutes of the morning because it's what helps to fire up the immune system and it also helps to fire up our ability to wake up and function. And we know that someone is absolutely burned out and fatigued when that cortisol awakening response is messed up in some way, either due to the regulation by the brain of cortisol and other survival hormones in the system. Now, what's really, really important to understand is that this whole system is a lot more complicated than we actually thought. And that it isn't just our poor adrenals. Now, I wanted to give you one more reason why cortisol can be decreased in the body through cortisol resistance. And it's just to give you a better understanding of how all these mechanisms are working and to clearly demonstrate that it really isn't the adrenal function. So as you can imagine, very similar to the concept of insulin resistance, we can actually have cortisol resistance resistance or stress hormone resistance. So chronically high cortisol levels can lead to cortisol resistance and that is caused by a decrease in cortisol receptor sensitivity on our target cells. The receptors become insensitive to cortisol as a protective response. Basically the body is trying to protect us against the effects of high level cortisol and we end up leading to low cortisol over time. These responses have all been associated with an activation or deactivation of the HPA axis and our stress response system in order to protect us from a progressive loss of resilience and depletion of metabolic reserve. So I hope this is all making sense, that there's a lot of different fail-safe mechanisms that regulate our hormones basically from the brain in order to ensure that we're able to maintain that resilience and maintain our metabolic reserve. Now, That's not to say that these systems don't fail over time because they absolutely can, and that's why why you may be dealing with burnout and chronic fatigue. So if the HPA axis is the primary concern and it's not the adrenals, let's break down what actually causes the HPA axis dysregulation because there are four triggers of the HPA axis dysfunction. And this is based on a book called The Role of Stress and the HPA axis in Chronic Disease Management. So here are the first four triggers. Number one, the first trigger is perceived stress. This was and still is the biggest trigger for me personally. On any given day, we can be triggered by perceived stress 50 plus times a day. Yikes. That's a lot of stressors hitting our body on a constant daily basis. Now, perceived stress is an important term because it highlights the fact that people perceive stress in very different ways. What may be stressing you out may not stress out the person next to you. Now, the physical toll caused by increased levels of perceived stress can be extensive. The activation of the HPA axis changes how the body responds to short and long-term stress, including, including cortisol release and increase in blood glucose and free fatty acids. In chronic stress fashion, these effects mount and become harmful. Luckily, I will share how to circumvent perceived stress in just a moment. The second trigger is high or low blood sugar. High or low blood sugar will also trigger the HPA axis. It causes problems with insulin and leptin signaling, and that effect that the HPA axis can have is in a negative way. Thankfully, it's easy to test to see if you have high or low blood sugar levels. In cases when you have higher than average blood sugar levels, Uh, My 14-Day Hormone Detox is a great starting point for resetting insulin and leptin levels. And I will have a link in the show notes in case you want to support your metabolic reserves and hormones. Actually, I created that 14-Day Hormone Detox specifically for addressing the HPA axis, addressing metabolic hormones, most importantly, cortisol, insulin, leptin, ghrelin, and also thyroid hormones. Another piece of this 14-day hormone detox was reducing inflammation that could be caused by this whole system to begin with. So again, I will have the the link in the show notes as well. Number three, anything that causes inflammation in the body is a trigger. So if you've got a chronic infection, you've got a gut issue, you've got insulin resistance, or you've got an autoimmune condition like Hajimoto's thyroiditis, even if you have no perceived stress in your life, which is practically impossible, you always will have that too, this can still cause HPA axis problems. And that leads to obesity, inflammatory issues, and other issues can also cause inflammation and that will trigger HPA axis dysfunction. Luckily, once you're able to identify the root cause of inflammation in the body, you can correct and heal the inflammation that it's having on the HPA axis. And the number four, and probably one of the biggest players here, is circadian disruption, and that refers to not only getting enough exposure to light at the right time during the day and then the morning in particular, but it's making sure that you're not getting too much exposure to light, especially blue light, at the wrong times like at night. Part of the reason it can be difficult to fall asleep at night is because of our extreme photosensitivity. Even average room light can trick our brain into suppressing the release of melatonin, not to mention our constant exposure to artificial light from screens of our electronics. But even if you make an effort the following night to go to bed early and limit exposure of light, it can absolutely still mess up your melatonin responses so, basically, one day of throwing off melatonin can lead to a cascade of throwing off your circadian rhythm. And so, there are going to be some techniques that you'll need to implement to actually fix your circadian rhythm so that you are not activating or overactivating the HPA axis response. So, I wanted to quickly just give you some lifestyle techniques so that you can get your circadian rhythm back on track. Um, Number one, you want to be able to expose yourself to sunlight or blue light during the times that you want to be awake. So get as much sunlight as possible. And if sunlight isn't available, expose yourself to shortwave blue light. You want to be able to limit your exposure to electronics and bright light produced by screens, especially your computer or your phone, before bed. And luckily, there are apps that can block or reduce melatonin-inhibiting blue light. And then eating properly. This seems to be a no-brainer, but eating well and at the right hours is essentially to attaining your regular circadian rhythms because your circadian rhythms also are connected to your hormone, hormonal cycle, and connected to your food cycle as well. It's all interconnected, but no surprise there. Now that you know the three triggers or four triggers, I'm going to give you those four triggers one more time. Perceived stress, high or low blood sugar, Anything that causes inflammation in the body, which I know is a biggie, and then circadian rhythm disruption. Now, I want to talk a little bit about perceived stress. Now that we understand all of those, because I feel like perceived stress, and it can also be connected to circadian rhythms. It can also be connected to insulin deregulation, and yes, it can even be reg- it can even spawn inflammation in the body but perceived stress is the one thing that we can really get control over and it's also the one thing that when we don't have control over it can lead to a lot of gasoline on the inflammatory fire now i want to share with you a protocol that i shared earlier this year in episode number 152 which was called the number one precursor to hormone chaos and how to get your Body back on track so here's my simplified protocol for becoming more objective about your stressors and balancing cortisol and really helping to balance the HPA axis dysfunction. Number one, here's going to be how we manage to perceive stress in the body. Having a network of friends and family to rely on. In today's world, we are becoming more and more isolated, and it's impacting our mood, leaving us feeling more depressed and anxious. Having a friend or family member that you can connect with and even hug, this is going to increase oxytocin levels and even melatonin levels. In case you were wondering how oxytocin works, in the brain, oxytocin acts as a chemical messenger, and it has been shown to be an important hormone for human behavior, including sexual arousal, recognition, trust and infant-mother bonding. As a result, oxytocin has been called the love hormone or cuddle chemical. Oxytocin is the hormone that underlies individual and social trust. It also is an antidote for depressed feelings. And oxytocin also appears to reduce the stress response, including anxiety. So let's make sure that we are boosting those oxytocin levels. And how do we do that? It is talking through our stress issues with our best friend or our partner, and it's practicing self-care. So let's talk a little bit about self-care. Although we do talk about it on the podcast, I wanna just share a couple of things you can do for self-care. As we know, self-care is vital to boosting self-confidence, maintaining good health, increasing our productivity and focus, and lowering our stress levels. Most importantly, lowering our stress levels, because that's what we're talking about today, is how we can get our stress levels back on track. Now, taking care of ourselves means that we are going to be at our best, right, when we need to take care of others, whether that's being a parent, interacting with coworkers, or running our own business. Now, when we talk about self-care, it's really about taking an inventory of how good you feel at that moment because, yes, you get to check in with yourself and find out how good you're feeling. Self-care includes morning and evening routines along with having affirmations, connecting into how you, you feel about yourself, breathing deeply and consciously, being positive about your day, gratitude journaling, eating right, drinking water, movement, Meditation, using your oils, so via aromatherapy, day setting, and going back to gratitude, just getting really a lot of clarity around how grateful you are for just the little things that you have. Now, what I love, if you're feeling like you're dealing with perceived stress, like something triggers you, whether it's a text message or you're running late to something or you just feel like there's just way too much to handle at any given moment— I want you to get your oils out because they are phenomenal for shutting down that perceived stress response. And I'm going to share with you a couple of blends that really move the needle for stress and HPA axis dysfunction. So let's talk about dialing down the HPA axis and that perceived stress. The first blend I want to share with you is my Stress Relief Roller Blend. In a 10-mil roller, it's seven drops of frankincense, seven drops of lavender, eight drops of cedarwood, and five drops of bergamot or wild orange. Again, seven drops of frankincense, seven drops of lavender, eight drops of cedarwood, and five drops of bergamot or wild orange. And you're going to add all the oils to a 10-mil roller, top it off with the carrier oil of your choice, and apply to the back of the neck, the temples, the wrists, the mastoids, behind the ears, that's where the mastoids are, and on the palms, and take five to ten deep belly breaths. Now, this blend is powerful. It's effective at releasing stress, especially perceived stress, balancing mood, and it's ideal for releasing tense emotions. This blend is also great for reducing irritable feelings throughout the day. So it's knocking out multiple birds with one stone. I highly recommend having this blend on you at all times because I don't know about you, but I use oils for emotional support throughout the day. Next, let's talk about sleep, because again, we wanna make sure that you're getting good, deep, restful sleep and you're able to reset those circadian rhythms, right? If your sleep cycle is off, It is having a profound impact on the long-term stress response system that can then lead to nutrient depletion and reserve depletion, right? And then we know that that is an epidemic for chronic disease over time. We want to make sure that we just nip that in the bud right now. So I have a deep sleep spray that I really love, and it's super, super easy to make. In a two-ounce spray bottle, you're going to fill it up one and a half, Ounces of distilled water or witch hazel, whichever you prefer. And then it's 10 drops of lavender and 10 drops of cedar wood. And then you just mix it up and spritz that on pillows. You can spritz it on your bedding. You can spritz it in the air. Um, it's just really great. It's fun to have. It's great ritual. And then I have my, my deep restful sleep diffuser blend. And this diffuser, I want you to have at your nightstand. Again, you want to set the tone for sleep. So make sure that there's not a lot of light coming in, that you've got your blinds closed or your drapes closed. You haven't eaten at least three hours before bed. You don't have your electronics anywhere in the room. No TV, no phones, no iPads, none of it. And get your diffuser going. And in that diffuser, I want you to do five drops of lavender, three drops of vetiver, And two drops of cedarwood. So, five drops of lavender, three drops of vetiver, two drops of cedarwood, and let that diffuser run all night long, just right over you. Start it up about an hour before bed. And let me tell you, those oils are so sedative in nature, they are gonna knock you out and they're going to ensure that you get deep, restful sleep. That's my favorite deep, restful sleep diffuser blend. Other things that I want you to consider doing for lowering perceived stress and lowering HPA dysfunction is going to be get a massage once or twice a month if you can afford it or just do some self-massage with lavender and peppermint oil with a little bit of coconut oil on your shoulders and your neck. Limit alcohol and coffee or ideally switch to green tea which contains L-theanine which is an amino acid that reduces stress without feeling tired. So it's great because it just relaxes your mind. And then if your symptoms are still not resolving, you can absolutely add adaptogenic herbs like holy basil, rhodiola, and ashwagandha. Now, these adaptogenic herbs work differently for everybody, so just kind of pay attention to your body and figure out what works for you. Now, ashwagandha boosts the ability to combat chronic stress levels by properly restoring reproductive function, especially when you are dealing with your menstrual cycle. It's also great for supporting memory and cognition and alleviating symptoms associated with depression and anxiety without harmful side effects. Rhodiola is great for fighting stressors as well. It's a powerful adaptogenic herb. It's a mind-body connector. It also helps to fight symptoms of fatigue and distress. So these can be wonderfully combined together And holy basil is very much the same. It does the same things. You can do holy basil in a capsule. You can do holy basil in tea. It's called Tulsi tea. Really up to you how you want to take your adaptogenic herbs. And then lastly, it may be worth looking into phosphatidylserine, which helps you to perceive less stress and it helps to create more resilience with your hypothalamic-pituitary-adrenal axis. And I normally recommend about 300 milligrams of phosphatidyl phosphatidylserine. So now that you have some of my best strategies for supporting your brain and the hypothalamic-pituitary axis, again, your your long-term stress response system, naturally, I want you to go and grab that epic cheat sheet that I made for you on my top 10 energy-boosting remedies. I want to make sure that you're set up for success. And although you're listening to this episode right now and maybe you were able to scratch down some notes, I know how difficult it can be because we're oftentimes listening to a podcast when we're we're often about doing something else. So I created this cheat sheet so that you have this little resource in front of you that you can pull from anytime you need an instant energy win or you need more sustainable energy solutions. Again, the cheat sheet is going to be In the show notes for episode number 122, or you can go to drmarisa.com slash episode 122. Well, thank you so much for getting through this episode with me. I hope you were able to follow along. We covered a lot of information, but I wanted to make sure that you understood the context of what was really going on in the body, that it was really being driven by the brain and multiple different pathways. But while understanding the distinction between what real adrenal insufficiency is and what's going on with the body and how once we understand what's really going on, we can create powerful self-care rituals and lifestyle habits to regulate that so that we are not depleting our reserves, we're not depleting our resilience, and we're not driving further into chronic disease. So I feel like we've got a pretty great plan. If you want a more comprehensive plan and you want it in writing, my book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution, really lays all of this out and gives you so much of what you need. So thank you again for coming on and listening to the Essentially You podcast. I hope this episode was helpful. Since it is my birthday on the next episode, I'm super excited to be talking and interviewing a dear, dear friend of mine, someone that is a mentor, Dr. Lissa Rankin, and we're going to be talking about trauma. Trauma. Which I know doesn't, isn't the most fitting conversation for my birthday, but I really wanted this topic and I really wanted to get her on to really share her brilliance around trauma and its root cause into chronic disease in the body. I've always felt like my Hajimoto's thyroiditis was connected to the trauma that I had dealt with when I was younger. So we're going to be getting into that conversation with Dr. Alyssa Rankin on the next episode later on this week on my 40th birthday. I hope you are able to tune into that episode. And in the meantime, have an amazing week. Talk to you soon. Bye.